Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Vince Young scores. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? Screw Damashek, by the way. He, he, he doesn't even know college. He might know NFL. He doesn't know college for shit. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. Big Iowa State fan. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus 3. Make sure you're betting along with your pals here at Minus 3 in the Extra Points Network. Bet with us, fanduel.com slash minus 3. It's the word minus. It's the number 3. And you know what, Eddie Spaghetti? I am going to do it once again, like Babe Ruth pointing out the center field, calling my shot. I know this is going to be a good one. Upcoming to get ready for college football, we have from The Athletic, Andy Staples coming your way. He's one of the best, if not the best, college football voices out there. So looking forward to that. Very quickly, Eddie Spaghetti, I just wanted to offer up some of what I consider to be the best bets in what I considered to be the best week one in college football history, or at least that I can recall watching. Um, And I'll give you this one. Big 10, I've spoken out against. I don't like conference games to start it off in pro football or certainly in college football. These games are hugely significant. The Badgers and the Nittany Lions playing a big one. Wisconsin hosting Penn State, laying five and a half. I say take the home team there. Virginia Tech playing host to Sam Howell and company. I think that's too big a spot for the kid to carry the load there. A lot of people high on UNC, but almost all of it has to do with their Heisman hopeful quarterback. I Like I say, I think he's going to feel the curse of Sposta, that all the gravity that comes with being the guy who's supposed to carry the team right out of the gate. Blacksburg is too big a spot. I say take the five and a half for uh, for Virginia Tech there. Um, and also, our pal Ken Brown has thrown this one out to uh, you and me, Eddie Spaghetti. And I think we do take it. It's a fun one. Gophers teased up to 19 and a half alongside of Miami, teased up to 25 and a half against Mighty Bama. Um, I think that's a fun two-way teaser. Again, get those at FanDuel.com slash minus three. How say you, Eddie Spaghetti? Any juicy ones you want to throw out before I we mean- get to Andy Staples here? To, to call the, the the Ken Brown special that that teaser those two huge matchups the uh, Ohio State Minnesota Miami Alabama game I kind of do like the the, the teaser uh, if you do put those together that's a pretty good number I know uh, you know there are some it's a young quarterback at Ohio State so that's one to look at obviously Alabama brand new Bryce Young who I do like in our league our fantasy future I did pick Bryce Young to win the Heisman but it is you know week one and Miami has the veteran quarterback and Derek King so I actually do like that. I'm against you on UNC. I've been kind of touting Sam Howell for quite a while, and I think what Mac Brown's doing there, they have good recruits. They have a, a good roster, much better than years past. It's not one of those like Mitch Trubisky-type UNC teams where it was like just him and a whatever roster. This is a pretty good roster, and Sam Howell, arguably, or at least in my opinion, the best quarterback in college football, and I think will be the first quarterback taken in the draft. I do like the, the UNC to cover the 5.5 first Virginia Tech. Another one I like, too, even though they're on the road going from Louisiana Louisiana, all the way to out here in the Rose Bowl is LSU minus two and a half versus UCLA. I know UCLA looked pretty good, but come on, it's Hawaii. I don't really trust them yet. They're still not recruiting as well as the other top schools in the Pac-12. LSU right now, obviously, a bit of a reload scenario. They're not near the top of the you know the, the SEC charts like they were years back with Burrow and all those studs. Obviously, Alabama, Georgia, arguably Florida, better than them. But LSU is still LSU. They're still going to have their five stars out there. Different kind of speed. 
UCLA just not going to be able to match up with them. So I think they're going to win that game. And I'm not sure if we have the team totals yet for this, but Notre Dame's offense, I know they lost some pieces, but they have a veteran in Jack Cohn uh, coming at a quarterback, Kyron Williams uh, at running back, and their tight end they call Mini Gronk. Mayor, I mean, I think they're going to score a lot of points. So if you get a total, uh, I'm not sure if I want to go with the over on that game, but the Notre Dame's team total points, I think they're going to hit the over on that one if you can get that. All right. Just remember, though, Spaghetti and anyone else within the sound of my voice, Damashek, in just week zero, 2-0 and already. So until uh, I get a strike in the loss column, you got to follow my lead and not listen to Harry on Against All Odds, who's riding big with uh, what, what did the Cyclones ever do for him that he's so in love with this team? I don't know. Um, we will talk with Kevin Hench tomorrow, Eddie Spaghetti, on Thursday show about what's going on with the Yanks, the second best team in uh, in New York City right now. The Metropolitans making their charge. Um, next week, we'll get into tons of pro football and we'll get uh, Hench's reaction action to Mac Jones up in uh, in New England, all that. But today belongs to college football. I'm so excited, Spaghetti. College football is here. September's here. A grand, grand few days worth of college football. Let's jump in on all of it. And by the way, go back and listen to Extra Points. Me and Sal have been chopping it up. We had Brady Quinn on to start the week. We had Kirk Street last week. Make sure you check all those out um, to be a better uh, informed, better going into college football season. And as far as that goes, let's talk about all of it with Andy Staples. Hey, Spaghetti, you know FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking new users up with enhanced 30-to-1 odds for the first big college football game of the season. That's right. All you have to do is you pick Georgia or Clemson, a.k.a. the two teams that are playing in the Georgia-Clemson game, and you win and you could turn a $5 bet into a $150 payday. You heard me already. I'm on board with DJU, the experience factor. You heard Staples there. Kirk Herbstreit gave his pick last week on Extra Points. Sal's in. We haven't heard from you, though, Eddie Spaghetti. How say you? Who's winning this big game? Look, uh, I'm a Georgia fan. I've said it on previous podcasts. I like them as my sneaky dark horse pick to win the the national title. I think you know with the like eight returning starters on offense, JT Daniels obviously is a Heisman hopeful, a guy that was USC's quarterback, a five star recruit was supposed to be the man down there. Kind of revamped them. Well, instead, issues happen there. Now he's. Uh, in Georgia with a great team, the number one rushing defense last year. And yes, they did lose some guys to the NFL on the defensive side. But still, like when you have a number one rushing defense, a top uh, 20 scoring defense, they're really as good as it gets. They're loaded every position. I like them. I know DJU is is everyone's you know new fan favorite now, and he's going to just follow in the footsteps of Trevor Lawrence. But you know they lost a lot of guys on the climbs of the NFL as well. I think this is a big stage for him. This game in Charlotte, so I like the I guess veteran quarterback and JT Daniels and that loaded team in Georgia to to win this game. Boy, everybody will be on board with Georgia if they beat Clemson to start the season off. Either way, we love FanDuel because uh, exactly because of fun bets like this one, thirty to one odds. Make sure you bet it. FanDuel.com slash minus three. The promo code minus three. The word minus the number three is how you do it. And, uh, you know, it's the reason why, one of many reasons why FanDuel is the number one sports book just in time for college football and pro football. Little note, go listen to Extra Points, listen to Against All Odds, everything on the Extra Points network there. We're getting you right for the first week of college and pro football and the entire season with uh, season win totals. Jump in on that one, ASA and P. And again, use the promo code minus three so that they know that we sent you. All right. If you ain't ready for college football yet, consider yourself about to get prepared because joining us, one of the great talkers on uh, on the great game of college football, formerly a Sports Illustrated, now with The Athletic and uh, and hosting the aptly named Andy Staples and Friends podcast. Track that one down. It's Andy Staples. What's the poop, fella? How are you? What's up, Sheck? What a pleasure. What a pleasure to kibitz with you right now in what I am calling, and I hope it's not hyperbolic, and correct me if I'm wrong, as somebody who knows his uh, college football history, the single greatest week one in college football history. Has there ever been a slate that even begins to compare with what awaits our eyeballs and hearts this uh, this next few days? I think you probably have to go back into the into the 70s when it was all the power teams just playing each other willy-nilly uh once 
people realize we got to schedule for bowl eligibility or we got to schedule to be undefeated and to win a national championship. That's when we lost all the good games. So this is, this is fun. I, I love that, you know, the big 10 finally got on board with doing conference games in week one. So we get stuff like Wisconsin and Penn state playing week one. Um, Clemson, Georgia is going to be awesome. I, I can't wait. Uh, LSU, UCLA looks like a really fun game. Fascinating, a, right? All of a sudden. I have a, I have a bet riding on that that I, I made quite a while back, but it the stakes are uh, somewhat gross. And uh, so, I don't Shaq, have you seen? What are they? The, what are they? Tell us. So, don't so just here's, float here's it the out bet. there. Oh, no, no. Uh, I want to add, we got we got the background. Shaq, have you seen Will Levis eating a banana? Will Levis is the new starting quarterback at Kentucky, transferred from Penn State. Have you seen the video of him eating the banana? I have not. Okay. You will you will push it down in your fruit of the year rankings after you see this video. He eats it peel and all. Just oh, grabs a yellow this. banana yes. with some brown spots and just chomp, 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 and, and houses it. And so – we decided to, to place a bet on the, the UCLA LSU game uh, doing the Will Levis challenge. So me and my co-host, Ari Wasserman. Now, Ari says now he would have been fine with, with what the line was at the time, which was LSU minus four and a half. I'm very confident LSU is going to win this game. Ari knew I was very confident LSU was going to win this game. So he pushed me up. He pushed me up. I gave him 15 points. He's... So the line, by the way, has gone down to minus three oh, to LSU I minus know three. It has my goodness. Yeah. He's he's got UCLA plus fifteen pushed up like a eat. banana from its peel, and I fear you're yeah. going to have to eat the whole thing. That's uh, that all of a sudden feels very heavy for you. And yeah, I guess it's all owed to UCLA's performance last week in in the I guess non-existent or it does matter week zero. Weirdly named. Well, it matters if you're Scott Frost. Uh, it matters if you're Brett Bielema, but no, uh, yeah, I, I still am very confident in LSU to have a big bounce back season that I actually think this is going to be Chip Kelly's best UCLA team, but they're not going to play anybody else that has the collection of athletes that LSU has. So I think, I think this may wind up being a stars matter special and LSU winds up rolling and I don't eat the banana, but UCLA still winds up being pretty good, but I don't take much from that Hawaii game. Listen, Todd Graham and his Britney Spears headset have been at this for a while. We kind of know how that goes. They did not look particularly well prepared for that game. So I am not going to just say Chip Kelly is back. It's, it's going to be like those Chip Kelly Oregon teams. I'm not ready to do that. If I have to do that, it will be as I eat a banana peel and all. Well, I mean, I do want to talk to you about that because the Georgia Clemson game also looms large for what happens after to the loser as much as as to the winner of that game. Um, but first, I have to say, philosophically, we are at opposite ends of this conference game in week one slash week zero. Jive. Oh, you don't want it. You'd no, rather than play a max team. It's the same thing as with the, I, I've I've belly ached about this with even the NFL forever now we've been out in the football is desert all summer we don't need filet mignon and that's what conference matchups are now clemson and georgia well, we, we, that, that's some eye candy zero for us. we is, just need crackers that's all we need chopstick. yeah week zero is your chopstick check that's the you know you, okay. you go to the you go to the the western sizzling and they, they call it chopstick and it's six dollars mm-hmm. that's week zero like nebraska illinois was the perfect Week zero game. I completely like, agree that if that happened on uh, on October 28th, four people would watch it where those two teams are going to exactly. be by that. But it was juicy given the context. It was our first game. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, uh, but I am interested, though, too, in this thing of like Georgia and Clemson. That's the best matchup. But we just mentioned a couple other really intriguing ones here. I, I go on and on about pro football. If you actually needed the preseason, then college football would have one. Correct? I mean, what's the argument against that? If you're going to throw LSU, their first game of the year is a trip to Los Angeles to play what now appears to be a halfway decent UCLA team. Does it matter to you? Does UCLA have an edge because they played a game last week and LSU hasn't played since, uh, since, you know, around Thanksgiving of 2020? I, I, I'm, I could warp this answer around whatever the result is. That's the thing. It, because you could say, 
Well, LSU's got a new offensive coordinator and UCLA hasn't seen any of this. And so they're going to be completely surprised by this. Or you can say UCLA got to work out the kinks and they're going to be great. Or you can say LSU got to see what UCLA does and now they're over prepared. They're, I, I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't think the the preseason and, and having done a little bit covering the, the Jaguars this year, and I was at the, the Cowboys preseason game, Jaguars Cowboys game on Sunday. There's, there is no need for that. It's that's just to sell the tickets. Yeah, co- college football would do now. College football, certain teams kind of have those. Uh, the a lot of teams would schedule an FCS opponent first, or will schedule like you got South Carolina, Eastern Illinois, which is a a great break in game for a brand new staff that happens to be starting a guy at quarterback who thought he was going to be a GA this season. So uh, that you, you do see those in college football, but. I like when they just go straight in. And and now Clemson, Georgia, you talk about the, the consequences for the loser. I actually think there are consequences for Clemson if they lose. The consequences for Georgia are really not that bad because I agree. If Georgia now, wins then, out, now we've come around, Staples, and now we're parking yeah. our cars in the same garage. I think that that's a, I Kirk, you know, I'm gonna name drop here. Kirk Herb Street swung me around on that one. As I was talking to him about it, Sal and I on extra points last week. I was under the boy, Georgia is really in a tough spot here because if they lose this one, that dashes their final four hopes. They're fine. The opposite is true, correct? Yes. If Clemson loses, it becomes quite a bit more difficult for them, especially if Georgia keeps winning. If and Bama Georgia whips loses. Miami, if, my, yeah. if Bama yeah. whips Miami, then it knocks down the ACC. Um, and now you're left yeah, with North, North Carolina. Carolina is the, yeah, North Carolina w- w- is probably the only other hope of the ACC this year. And look, if it comes down to Clemson and North Carolina and, and they're both undefeated or one's undefeated and one's one loss, there's a real good chance the winner of that gets in. But what happens if, let's say Clemson loses this game, doesn't lose again. Georgia doesn't lose again until the SEC championship game when they lose to a one loss or an undefeated Alabama or Texas A&M or whoever that is. Well, that's a, that's the recipe for two SEC teams in the playoff and Clemson going to a bowl game it doesn't want to go to. I agree. And by the way, A&M in a weird way is in a better spot than Georgia is because they're in the same division as Bama, right? Because you might get over on Bama once. Know- but you're Only not going to Georgia would have. Yeah. Georgia would have the the win against Clemson in this scenario. And I think that would that would put them over the top of, of A&M. Interesting. Um, all right. I, I, I want to get to uh, to the SEC stuff. But you, well, you, also, you mentioned uh, the Jags. That then leads me to Trevor Lawrence. And just very quickly, the NFL, the people who talk uh, about our league, including myself, the get National distracted. Football League. That's right. That, yeah, what it used to be the National Football League. Then it was this league, and now it's our league, Andy Staples. And so you got an up close look at one uh, thirty second of our league, and I do think we react to Aaron Rodgers may may go host Jeopardy, and we don't know if Ben Roethlisberger is still good at football, and all these distracting things. And shouldn't Justin Fields be starting? And have we lost sight of? the big thing going on in terms of the young QBs, which is that Trevor Lawrence should dominate and, and he should be really good right out of the gate. Is there anything that you've seen from herb and his, you know, cause he's the one who's getting all the pushback right now. He's not used right. to NFL standards. He's still applying the way he, well, I did yeah, it this way in college. Say the quiet parts out loud, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Is there any reason to think that Trevor Lawrence from your up close look now that he ain't going to deliver at the level. And it's pretty high standard that people have set for him. But I think we've gotten caught up with like Trey Lance and Justin Fields and what Mac Jones is going to do it. Do we five years from now, 20 years from now, do we look back and say like, yeah, obviously we knew Trevor Lawrence was the man and he proved it. I think he's going to be very good. Is, is he going to make them immediately better now? No, that's a roster that went one in 15 last year. So but they will be on an upward trajectory because he can make throws that all of these other people we're talking about can't. Now, there are some QBs in the NFL that can make the throws that Trevor Lawrence can, but at the very few, it's a it's a very limited number. 
he's fairly unflappable, which is, is very helpful in this situation because there are going to be moments when he's frustrated because he's been on teams that just win. This will not be a team this year that just wins. You know, wins will be difficult to come by. You will have to work for them. And But the thing is, the more they build around him, the better he's going to get. And I do think they, they've got a pretty good receiving core around him now. Uh, yeah, they, really. They, they wanted, obviously, Travis Etienne, his former college teammate, to, to be there with him to help him on the ground and through the air. Uh, but Travis got hurt in the preseason. He's out for the whole whole year. But I, with with DJ Shark, with LaVisca Chenault, uh, I think Marvin Jones Jr. was a really good pickup for them. James Robinson, who ran for 1,000 yards last year, they got skill talent around the guy. The line is pretty – it's okay. <laughs> I almost said pretty good. I don't know. That's probably a little too far. But it's adequate if, if the starting five are playing. And so, yeah, you're going to see Trevor Lawrence light some people up. And when he throws that ball, like when you, you're there in person and you watch him throw, let's say, a, a deep out, you know, from, from the opposite side of the field, you're like, huh, I don't, I don't see that throw very often. And, and his is a laser beam. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch him develop. I just don't think, you know, anybody thinks he's just going to walk in there and, and put them in the playoffs. It's probably going to be a little more painful than, than that at first. I, I do think that the football gods have smiled on him with the division he's landed in. I think the yes. Colts defense is got I, what am I doing? Being bad? <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, the Colts are going to be good. The Texans are going to be one of the greatest atrocities pro football has seen our, our league has seen in uh, at least a quarter century. So things said, and so basically they're Ryan Tannehill away from kind of, it's not a wild play to say that the, that the Jags somehow are a factor by let's say Thanksgiving in that bum division, but let's let's not forget the Titans have a cyborg on their roster. He the people in Jacksonville remember because he grew up a few miles away in Yulee. But Derrick Henry is not of this earth. Let's, let's I know he better not out. be because there were some other superhuman guys like Earl Campbell and uh, and dare I say Orenthal Simpson who uh, there's just there is zero history for that workload o- over. Um, you know, 24-ish months that Derrick Henry's body's been put through, that that you continue to deliver at that level. So if everything has he's to run through of, him he's again, he's made of titanium. Year, check. Perhaps I've talked to perhaps like his is. high school coaches, the people at Alabama. The man is made of titanium. Well, I tell you what I tell everybody about him. What I told Derrick Henry to his face. I asked him once if he ever got tackled in high school, and he said, "Yeah, why?" And I said, "Well, then you're a failure. How did you ever get tackled in high school? Look at you." <laughs> I ta- so I talked to the kids who had to tackle him at practice. Did you? So you're talking about? Oh yeah. So you're talking about these these little you know five six hundred sixty five pound kids who don't even start on the defense at Uli High yet, and they're just getting trucked. And one of the kids, I, I wish I could remember his name to give him proper credit, but his his philosophy was basically just hold on. And the coaches would kind of bet amongst themselves to see how long of a ride Derek could take these kids for before he just stopped and pulled them off of him and set them back down and walked back to the huddle. That's excellent. Oh, man. See, I got to dig up uh, the the past work of Staples for more detail on that because it is a fascinating thing. I, I, You know, we all played somebody who went on to play big, big time college ball, basketball or otherwise. I can't imagine Derrick Henry, though, Trevor Lawrence yeah. in high school. It's unfair. They should. They, they, if well, you so didn't some, score some every time you touched the ball, shame on yeah. you. Some of my high school classmates understood it because they played for our basketball team and Vince Carter was in our district. And Ooh. he would just he would just you could be standing straight up in the air and he would just jump over them and dunk. <laughs> There's nothing anybody could do. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I got close to like fringy guys in college. I can't imagine a guy who winds up in the pro football hall of fame, how, how badly he would dominate. Um, now we talk. So Trevor Lawrence leads me to this, my new theory that the reason Clemson is going to be Georgia, um, is because Trevor Lawrence had to sit down last year. 
DJU gets meaningful snaps against Notre Dame and otherwise because Boston Trevor College. Lawrence is sitting down. And if he doesn't get that, now you're putting a kid in there who's got a lot of hype around him. Oh, Clemson's going to be fine without Trevor Lawrence because of this kid. But he would be an unknown. Now we know what DJU is. And so, more importantly, so does DJU know that he can thrive at this level, right? So I, I'm taking Clemson because of that. How say you? I am still taking Georgia because Georgia is loaded on defense. And I also think this is as, as dynamic as Georgia's been on offense in a while with JT Daniels, at quarterback, a former five-star who, who started his freshman year at USC. Uh, DJ Uyunglele is an interesting case, and you're, I think you're absolutely right. That game against Boston College, that game against Notre Dame, taught the Clemson coaches what he looks like and how he responds in a live game. Cause you just don't know that until you, you play the guy. And obviously he played a little bit in kind of mop up situations last season, but against Boston college, you could see in that first half where they're trying to figure out how do we want to use this guy? What's, what's the best way to do this? And do we, do we want to run him? And, and in that case, they were a little, little shy to run him because obviously Lawrence was out with COVID. They didn't have another quarterback that they were real comfortable putting in. So but you saw when they needed to, because remember, Boston College was in that game for most of that game. When they needed to, they realized, you know what? We got this dude who's 250 pounds and can just dump truck people. Let's run him. And, and that actually opened things up for him in the passing game, too. So I do think their, their offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, who is a very, very smart guy, probably was grateful to have those two games to say, all right, this is how he responds when it's live. We know we can run him. We know we can use him this way. We know if we need to loosen some people up, maybe we just run power with him, and all of a sudden the coverage changes because they drop another guy in the box. I, I, I'm with you, and and I'm excited to see him because he's a totally different quarterback than Trevor Lawrence, but could be equally dominant in college football. It's funny you say that because it, it's the other side of the coin that goes back to um, my point of reference is usually Houston when they when Andre Ware lit up college football. Then he became, understandably, the pro scouts, kind of the must-have guy. Um, and then you see David Klingler step in and do the exact same thing, and you realize... Lit bundle of dynamite on the cover of SI? Right. One of my favorite and, photos. And so then you say, oh, oh, we've been had. It wasn't the individual doing it. It was the system he was in. This is kind of the inverse of that, which is that Clemson... There, there are four or five teams... That get everybody, uh, you know, they, they, they just reload. And it's and it's a funny paradox in the sense that um, versus pro football, if you lose any star, if you lose one of your high end guys, the season's kind of over, especially a QB. Right. Whereas yeah. with Ohio State, Clemson, Bama, the the, the usuals, um, it's not like, oh, their, their QB went to the pros. So what? They have four other guys who are better than 90% right. of the quarterbacks around the country. Um, so I, I'm fascinated by that, but specifically where the NIL stuff is, is concerned. I've long said, because I'm a vain guy, I wouldn't go to Georgia or USC to be the the next in the lineage of great this tailbacks. Is, this is my there. theory. You're, you're, you're subscribing to my theory. The best guy at Arkansas or the 45th best guy at Alabama, which one makes That's you more money? Right. That, well, I mean, I, th this transcends that just my raw vanity that informs where I go. I mean, right. I go to Oregon State woo, instead woo, of USC. Yeah. Right. Who are the, right. I mean, the money will be would be is now a nice fringe benefit. I just want the statue. I want the statue outside <laughs> of the stadium for all of time. They ain't giving me that at Georgia. They'll be like, well, you weren't as good as Gurley, you know, so, yeah, so no, then I don't get no Herschel Walker or Frank Sinkwich. Right now. Now, Oregon State. You know, all right. Who else are you going to put the statue? Got Quiz of? Rogers, man. No, Quiz. Quiz was nice, but it, was he a damashek? No, erect the statue tomorrow. So, exactly. So, so, I guess you've answered my question. This should help for all the doom and gloom about college football is doomed because of these powerhouse teams. In a way, I guess you're basically answering it and saying this should help that that I, middle I, I tier hope. team. I hope I hope it peels one or two off every year from those powerhouses because that would even things out and and every once in a while give one of those other teams a chance. The the counter argument to that is no matter how much you're getting in NIL, the, the real life changing money is still being a first round draft pick in the NFL. And if you're 
Alabama and Ohio State, you can point to how many first rounders you've made recently and say, are you sure you want to do that? Because you could be shaking Roger Goodell's hand if you come here. And that's probably still going to be the most compelling way to recruit people in, in, in spite of all this other stuff. Though I, I, will, I, I would like to think a, an entrepreneurial chap can, can really make some hay at Wisconsin, at Arkansas, at Arizona State. Like there, there's a lot to be done there. A chap. Um, all right, chap, answer this one for me. Again, it's uh spoiler alert, Clemson, Bama, Ohio State, and then Georgia, Oklahoma. That's probably I, the, would I just put named Oklahoma four. in that top group this year. Oklahoma well, okay. defense has turned really good. It, it would appear that that's going to be a huge difference in 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 the Big Twelve. They have a great shot to run the table there. I do want to get to Iowa State in a second, but um, if any of those five teams, Clemson, Clemson to get to the Final Four, you want a gut punch and want want uh, the whole season tipped for you here. Look up at FanDuel or or otherwise. Clemson to make the Final Four is minus six fifty. Bama is is minus three ten. George is plus one sixty two. Ohio State minus one ninety four. Oklahoma minus one sixty four. I mean, prohibitive odds for Clemson and Bama to get to it. If any of those teams has two or three or more losses and is by their standard and our expectation a little disappointing, which one is it? If there's one or if there's two or three. Well, I, hmm. or are those five in the mix to get into the, when we're looking at it, usually where you'd say Georgia, because if they lose to Clemson and then maybe they lose to Florida, they don't have Alabama or LSU or A&M on their schedule. So I, I would think they at least split Clemson and Florida and they should win everything else. So that I don't, I don't want to put them there. Oklahoma does seem like as, as good as Iowa state is, I don't think they can get Oklahoma this year. They, they kind of caught Oklahoma at the right time last year when they beat them. I don't know that they, they can do that this year. And, and it's still in the big 12, you'd have to beat them twice. You know, you have to play them again at the end of the season. So that, that would be a, a, a difficult thing to do as Iowa state learned last year. Ohio state is interesting because their starting quarterback, CJ Stroud has never thrown a pass in a college game. That seems as far, interesting. Let's let's deviate from that, from the, uh, cause I do want to get to who could get into that final four, if it's not the usual suspects. Um, but as far as that goes, cause I, I've got a short term memory issue and I've got to, uh, seize on it when you bring it up. I tend to, is ramble. it a, is it a good bet? Is it a good, is it a good teaser? To go with Miami, teased up to our our friend Kent Brown uh, floated this one, and it, it, the logic is sound. Take Miami, tease them up to uh, plus twenty five and a half against Bama, and okay. take the Gophers, tease them up to plus nineteen or is it nineteen and a half now? Spaghetti, do you know off the top of your head? Do you recall? Either way, tease those up because you're catching. Obviously, two high pedigree teams, but two guys who have never played, and this is the opportunity to at least keep it close, and you can make a little bit of loot. That is very intriguing. I, I, I do. I, I'm. I never like the the big line games just because you don't know what's going to happen in garbage time. But I like that idea. I like the idea of not assuming Alabama doesn't just steamroll Miami because. This is Bryce Young's first time doing this, and and there is a little bit of adjustment there. This is not a, a doormat team they're playing. Miami's pretty good, so I, I'm with you. And in Minnesota, they are big up front on the offensive line. They're going to be able to physically might be one of the only teams in the Big Ten that can hang with with Ohio State's defensive line for a little bit. So that's not a bad idea. I really hmm. don't think that's a bad idea at all tepid approval of this it's not exactly it's not as bad as a javi no, it, bias thumbs down it was like it, okay kind of good it's hard it's hard to 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 think about that because every if i say yes it's going to be great then somebody's just going to have you know everything's going to click fall into place and and then one of these teams turns on the afterburners and wins 60 to 7 and and you just don't want but 
I can see a scenario in both of those games where exactly what you said happens. And it just seemed, and my dog sees it too. Like she's very well, see, everybody's in on everybody's yeah. on board with this. She's she's paws up on this. Um yeah. Okay, Ohio State. You mentioned them. Are they a lock? Is there anyone who gets in their way in the big? Because uh, Penn State, I think, is not so bad. I, I think Penn State is okay. And and, and yeah, Penn State's had, be a lot better than of the all last the year. of all the wonk of all. The, I mean. It's funny to me when pro teams cite like, hey, we got through COVID. Like, yeah, everybody was at pretty much the same level, but it impacted college teams and conferences very differently. And I feel like yeah. Penn State, who I'm no fan of, got it really got it bad. It, it screwed them up. I think they might be halfway decent. You got my Hoosiers looking to make a run. Um I don't know. I, I, I'm worried about them back to back to start the season. Iowa and Cincinnati. I hope yep. they can split those two. But is there anybody plausibly that gets in Ohio State's win, at least to the extent that they that they might lose more than one game? Not in the Big Ten, but yes, on Ohio State's schedule because they play Oregon in week two. Oregon, right. Mario Cristobal has been building that roster to look like Ohio State's roster or Alabama's roster or Clemson. They're not there yet, but they do have some dudes. I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy who would start at any team in the country. He may be the number one pick in the draft. Uh, that offensive line is big and athletic and, and Cristobal does a great job selecting those guys. And he and Alex Maribald do a great job coaching them up. And we, but we don't know with, with their quarterback situation, Anthony Brown is a Boston college transfer. He got to play a little bit at the end of last season. So we don't know how good they're going to be. Uh, they've got a guy named Ty Thompson, a freshman who kind of pushed him, but didn't end up winning the job. So I it's how, how close does Oregon play Ohio state or does Oregon beat Ohio state at, I want to know where Ohio State is, and Oregon feels like a good measuring stick for that because we are assuming that Ohio State just steps in and does exactly what they've been doing the entire time, basically since Urban Meyer got there. He turned it over to Ryan Day. The only difference, it seems, between Ryan Day and Urban Meyer is they don't lose that random regular season game under Ryan Day. He doesn't seem to have have that flaw. So I, I'm waiting to see somebody beat them in the regular uh, season with Ryan Day you coach. Know the, you know the Hoosiers had them. You know the Hoosiers had them I, in they, Columbus. Well, they did not have them, and then they fought back. And listen, I'm the biggest Tom Allen believer you're ever going to meet. I, I think the guy's fantastic. But I also know that there is a very good chance we're about to bail on Indiana after the first month because I, of the way right. the way they have at Iowa, they play Cincinnati, you know, it, and and we're probably going to be like, well, I don't know about, and then they'll be fine. They'll come, you know, they'll, they'll come back and be very good in throughout the rest of Big Ten play, but that's going to be a tough start. So it, whether that, because I think Iowa's going to be pretty good this year, and they're either going to get Indiana or Iowa State or maybe both of them right at the beginning. Their of the win total on FanDuel, the Hoosiers, is seven and a half. Do they get to eight? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I think they can get to eight. Before we started, Pitt fans, pleased to announce that Andy Staples, again, mildly supporting the Pitt Panthers going over their season win total of seven, right? Mildly. Mildly. I, I, only because I have history with, with the Panthers. So I made a bet last season on the Pitt-NC State game with my podcast co-host, and I was convinced that, that Pitt, because Pittsburgh always has really good athletes they always seem to be in, in a position where they can just beat anybody. And they were, I forget who, I think they, who did they just beat? I think maybe Virginia Tech. But they had just beaten somebody very soundly. And I thought, all right, this is the year that they're going to finally be consistent. And so Ari, my co-host, asked me, is Pitt legit? And I said, yes, they are too legit to Pitt. And I said, they will beat NC State. And he said, you want to put something interesting on that? And I said, Sure. I hate mayonnaise more than anything in the world. It tastes like the spare feels. If I agree, but why isn't mayonnaise? What's fascinating about mayonnaise <laughs> is that I like eggs and I like yeah. oil. I mean, yep. I, I don't have any beef with that. Why does I'm it taste so gross? Why? That's it, the fascination I don't know, for me. But my, my body just rejects it. It is the worst thing in the world. And so I said, I will eat a spoonful of mayonnaise if they lose, and are you pick the size of the spoon? So of course he picked one that looked like a, a an oar for a boat, um, and I nearly vomited 
while recording the podcast. So if you want to, that, that episode is still on the internet if y'all want to want to hear it. But so I can't trust Pitt to do anything. Moral okay. of the story. Moral of the story. Right. But yes, athletically, personnel wise, ninth year senior Kenny Pickett. I mean, exactly. He's got to win all any close that Kenny Pickett's been there forever. <laughs> I mean, it's got to count for something, right? It's uh, it, it has to. It has to. I still can't trust him. Okay, fair enough. Let's see. We got sidetracked there a little bit. Now, talk me into, and by the way, Oregon, can I kind of glean from your remarks that they would be at the top of your list if it isn't one of the five teams I just named that makes it into the final four? Is yes. Oregon your your number one? Yes, I, th- I think they're the best team in the pack. Yeah, I think they're the best team in the Pac 12. I think they're the closest thing to all of those teams roster wise of anybody in the Pac 12. Like they, they are head and shoulders above everybody else talent-wise in the Pac-12. If Cincinnati beats Indiana and Notre Dame, are those wins, will we by the end of the season perceive them to be good enough victories that if they then ra- run ran the table after those two wins to get them into the Final Four? Because I've had it, Staples, with yeah. this. See, I've had it with this business of that it's the same division and the word division gets in the way for people, but in the same way that in a conference, you a wouldn't subdivision. say, yeah. but I, it, it makes me loco that oh, you don't results are the results are the results and they don't have to satisfy us. It wasn't satisfying to anybody when the San Diego chargers went and played the San Francisco 49ers when everybody knew the Steelers were better than the chargers in the AFC. Nobody, nobody said, ah, just send the Steelers anyway. That'll be a better game. We all get that that's a better game. Just do that. That's what happens in college football. Like, yeah, but we know. Come on. You know Alabama is better than Sin- – yep. what? what? When did that become so, the measure? This is the result. So, They're in well, the same division. It's, it's they have a zero in the measure. loss column. <laughs> it's terrible, though. It is, and they should get a chance. And when they expand the playoff, they will. Now, can it happen this year? That depends on Indiana and Notre Dame. Like the right the, the the way it needs to happen is Cincinnati needs to beat both those teams, and then Indiana needs to be competitive in the Big Ten, like second best team in the Big Ten behind Ohio State, and Notre Dame needs to win pretty much every other game. And if that happens, then Cincinnati has a good shot. But like, let's say Wisconsin beats Notre Dame, and let's say Indiana loses to Iowa, and then you know loses to Ohio State, and then loses to Penn State. All of a sudden. Everybody's going to have holes that they can shoot in Cincinnati and it won't work. Boy, it's it. I, it, I hear it, you it, on it that. It will take an almost perfect situation to get them in. The thing that's great about college football above every other sport or historically was true. And now it's been diminished because of final four. And prior to that BCS stuff, I pine forever for the 20th century because oh, every God, game, no. You, it you was want, imperfect. You want Tech and Colorado to share the national title again? Okay, but it's but the we can debate ever. We could debate, but but that was as satisfying as some of the results we've gotten when Alabama got to go and play LSU again after LSU beat them instead mm-hmm. of Oklahoma State or Stanford. That was yep. when I checked out on it. That's when that's when to me college that's, football that's lost. When its they way. started the playoff. And well, but that's when it lost its way. It's like, well, by what standard does Bama get another try by the history of college football? You well, look, the beauty of college football they is crushed Oklahoma State or Stanford. That's that's so why. But so, well, but no. That, so that's what? Logo. They need that's play. logic is need insane. Where all those teams play each other, which is what they'll eventually get to. But yes, they need a system where LSU, Alabama, Oklahoma, Stanford, Oklahoma State, Stanford, uh, that year, West Virginia. The other teams that were good that year all get together at the end of the year, play a tournament. It's a crazy idea. I believe in merit. And once you're like the seventh best team in the country, you have no rightful claim to being the best team in the country. So now we've lost our way. And now you I believe in really good games. I don't want to see a cotton bowl that none of the players want to play in because they know it doesn't mean anything. So put Oklahoma and Florida in the playoff and they'll play for something that matters. And the players will play. And if they're good enough, they'll win the national championship. Will they? Probably not. Who will win? Probably Alabama, probably Clemson, probably Ohio State. But at least we had more fun on the way. Okay. You're making it. Well, the along the way thing is my issue. It, it used to be that every game 
was uh, every chapter from week one, including week one, in any other sport, including pro football, you could lose here and there. Whoa, wow, I can't believe that uh, that terrible team just beat uh, be- beat our juggernaut. No, ma- uh, no matter, we'll come back as long as it's not a playoff. Every game was a playoff game previously. If you lost, and now I wonder. Yeah, and if- so you'd have the best teams not win the national championship. That sucks too. I, I I don't know that that is a, the the um, rational conclusion to it. You did every decade. You had one where it's like Washington and Georgia Tech, but for the most part, on at, at when you had to go to bed because school started back after Christmas break, when you went to bed on on New Year's Day night, you knew who the national champion was, and you were satisfied with the conclusion. We just watched those five bowl games to wrap up the season, and now we know who our national champion is. And it was satisfying just as it is at the same level as when the BCS or the Final Four concludes. You feel like, I feel satiated knowing who the best team is. And I had no more questions back then. And now we've lost the import of every week. But I do think that Clemson, Georgia looms large. I also think in a, in a kind of an underrated way, I think Wisconsin, Penn State is huge here. That, because that is a, you lose a that one. You, game. Right. I think yeah, that's, that's a, I, I talk about a gut punch for the rest of the season. If you right, lose that's, that that's one, a, it's going to be hard to come back from. That's what happens the rest of our season. And, and that I was thinking about this just last night. The loser, let's say this is a really close game. The fans of the loser of that game are going to go, oh, God, what do we do the rest of this year is going to be ruined? When really, what happened? You, you lost to a pretty good team. You'll probably beat some other pretty good teams. Like, it's not going to be that bad. But that is what we do in college football. We, it has, it's the shortest season, so we overreact the most. So we, we, we've waited this long, and it's all pent up in us. And so, you know, if Penn State loses to us, oh, God, what do we, not again. No, we're going to lose the first five of the year again. Well, no, probably not. If you lose, if you lose to Wisconsin in Camp Randall, there's really no shame in that. It happens. But that's well. That's why I asked about Ohio State. I could see Penn State. I'm uh, the Hoosiers. I hope are relevant. I, you know, I'm going to the game in Bloomington against Ohio State. Tom Allen has done a fantastic job. He's building. He's developing. Uh, They're recruiting better than they ever have. Yeah, they are right. So and and they have they have legit NFL like Taiwan Mullen the corner there is a is an NFL draft pick and probably a high NFL draft pick. That's not something Indiana tended to produce before. Ty Freifogel's the the returning Big Ten receiver of the year. They they've got dudes now, and if if Michael Penix can stay healthy, I, I really do think they can play with anybody. Listen, if as long as we wind up with Pitt versus IU in a bowl game in uh, in late December. I'll, I'll be fine with it. Let's um, not, I do let's, think with, Hey, let's not undershoot Pitt versus IU in the playoffs. Ooh, let's not get, see now you're patronizing me and I won't stand for it. <laughs> All right. Just a couple more things very quickly with you. Cause uh, you've, uh, you've already been uh, too generous with your time. Um, talk me into our pal on against all odds. Harry is bullish on, a, uh, on Iowa state. Now mm-hmm. my hypothesis is, it's because he wants to feel like somebody who was in on Modest Mouse before everybody knew who they were. Like I Listen, heard I was, album Iowa State's already playing arenas. Iowa State's not playing coffee shops anymore. I know, but he well, he likes to claim he was in on them a year ago, and now he's trying to ride that wave as they get their how, how do you, uh, their how major label. They lost to the Raging Cajuns in, in week one. Was he still on that on that bandwagon or? Well, let's, you know what, as far as that goes, I think we're about to, because of this, uh, this front loaded schedule that college football has given to, to us this year. Um, I think Iowa state where you talk about IU, no one's going to be on that bandwagon two weeks in. And perhaps you're right about that, but also how about Iowa state? I, uh, those are not easy matchups for them and they're going to lose one of those. And that's before they even catch Oklahoma is Iowa state going to going to live up to this hype that has them at number seven in the land. Well, if this were five years ago, I'd be looking at that Northern Iowa game going, Oh no, beware, be very, very afraid. I'm not worried about that this time. I think Matt Campbell has done an amazing job at Iowa state. 
They bring back almost everybody. I'm a big Brock Purdy fan. You know, Brees Hall is one of the best running backs in the country. So I am not worried about Iowa State losing games. It should not lose. That That's one thing that you, you just, at this point, trust in Matt Campbell that, that they're going to win games that they're supposed to win. Now, last year against the Raging Cajuns, they didn't. Now, if you look at that team, though, most teams aren't supposed to beat the Raging Cajuns. They're pretty good. Like, if they beat Texas in week one this year, I will not be shocked. Uh, but Iowa State should be fine for Northern Iowa. The Iowa game, though, yeah, that's and, and that game has been difficult for Iowa State through the years. Uh, it would be a huge thing for the program if they could beat the Hawkeyes. But I don't know what Iowa's going to be. All I know is they dropped a couple random ones at the beginning of the last season. You're like, uh-oh, what's going on there? And then all of a sudden, turned it on. And they bring almost everyone back. They, they are always developing NFL offensive linemen, NFL tight ends. So I'm fascinated to watch that game. I, I, think, I think Iowa may win it. But then Iowa State could just roll after that. If, and if they beat Iowa, I mean, you're talking about them potentially. Could they be 10-0 and 0 when they play Oklahoma? It's possible. I mean, I don't know if they'd beat Texas. I think the trip to Morgantown uh, near Halloween is going to be tough. But I'm not particularly worried about most of the beginning of their Big 12. Maybe going to Kansas State could be tough because Chris Kleiman always seems to have something for for one of the better teams in the league. They've beaten Oklahoma the last two years, K-State has. So I think think Iowa State's in a really good spot. If they Hmm. beat Iowa, whoo, boy. It, that that bandwagon is be really full by the time it rolls into Norman, Oklahoma on, on November 20th. And then it may be completely empty afterward. But I have no beef with going over nine and a half wins for Iowa State. I do balk I at so the either. idea that they're that they're going to be in the final four. UNC, yeah. that's another one that could stumble right out of the gate. I will not be stunned. Tell me why Virginia Tech, that that's not too big a spot for for Sam Howell to find it when all of his skill guys are gone from last year. But you know who's not gone? And, and this is an interesting debate, I think, because it, it, Texas A&M is in one spot and North Carolina is in another. They, they, those two teams played each other at the end of last year. Would you rather have all the skill guys back and none of the linemen and not the quarterback? Or would you rather have all of the linemen and the quarterback back and none of the skill guys? So which, which was, if you had to choose between those two scenarios, which do you want? I guess I'll take the linemen back. Yeah, that's North Carolina. And, oh, by the way, they averaged over nine yards of carry against Virginia Tech last year. So, it yes, the, the, the two backs that were running through those holes were really good, and they're on NFL rosters right now. You or I would have gained five yards of carry with the holes that were open. So, that that's the part. And then they got Ty Chandler, the, the transfer from Tennessee, who was not enjoying a lot of really open holes to run through with the balls the last four years. He's going to find a lot more uh, fresh air with, with the Tar Heels, I think. I, I, I don't think I'm crazy, but the, the results speak for themselves. And uh, although I'm not keeping track of my results, but I feel like I'm right more often than wrong, even though I use hyper-specific, decades-old um, anecdotes to support my point. Of course. When Jim Everett was a Heisman hopeful, oh, he wow. came into Pitt Stadium. I went to see them. It was too much for the kid. Jim Everett, he had to carry a nice roster, but not a world beater you, roster. You are worried about you're worried about Sam Howell's going to look up. It's too much. He started the season in Metallica, and it's it's too much. He's not what's he's not. He's not on Alabama. He's on UNC. What what are they going to, they're going to come in here and he's like the weight of the world. When he walks out for, when he runs out onto the field for that one, it's going to feel like a humongous spot. And he will know that he has the curse of supposed to, he's supposed to do it. He's the reason that they would win. That's too much for the kid. And his Heisman hopes may not his pro hopes, but this is going to, he's going to, he's not going to get exposed, but by the end of it, we're going to be like, UNC, what are we talking about? UNC is going to derail Clemson. Come on, everybody. Uh, it's I, my I, take I on Iowa State, too. How many times do we have to see these teams? Ooh, Matt Campbell's a really good coach. All right. Nobody breaks through. It always is the same teams now, right? I think there's a, I think there's a UNC game in there like that. I'm just not sure it's this one. Though I am okay. really glad you brought up Jim Everett because I did Jim Rome show, show earlier today, and every time I talk to Jim Rome, I can only think of Jim Everett. 
I, when I think of Jim Everett, and I told him this to his face, we talked about the L.A. Rams and all, all the glory days that he had in pro football. But I couldn't help but bring up because it was a big deal at at Pitt when he came in there to play them. And it was they brought in lights because Pitt didn't have enough lights for <laughs> for for a night game at the time. So they had all these stanchions with these extra lights pumped in so it could be on ESPN. And I remember feeling like this is a huge spot and they scored late to get within a point. They went for two, which I always admire anyone going for the win in a spot oh, like yeah. that. Absolutely. Um, no playoff or any, no, no uh, overtime or anything. So they go for it and he rolls out to his left and you can look this up and, and look at it. It's very sad to watch if you're a Purdue it fan. It sounds like Sam Halligan's Sam Clemson as a freshman, by the way. He rolls Similar out to the scenario. left. He he has a guy standing a foot into the end zone for the win, and he throws it at his feet. It it's sad because he's about he he's literally about like twelve feet away from the kid. He could have just he could have run in himself. Anyway, that's what I suspect goes down here. I'm sorry for my cynicism, USC UNC fans. Um, okay, two more, and then and then that's got to be the end of it because Staples is a busy man. One, I want to ingratiate myself to you. Emory Jones is my Heisman pick. How say you? Ooh, I like it. I like. I think Emory's going to be good. I I think people are looking at Emory as, oh, he was the guy they brought in to be kind of the running threat when Kyle Trask was there. No, Florida, you know, Florida's offense probably will more resemble what Dan Mullen's offenses looked like at Mississippi State when he had quarterbacks who were a little bit better running the ball. But Emory can throw, and I. I from a tool standpoint, he's got a better arm than Kyle Trask had. But the, what made Kyle Trask so effective was he just understood that offense completely. He got the ball out when it was supposed to be out, got it to exactly who he was supposed to get it to. Doesn't hurt when you have Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony out there, future first rounders running around. But I do think Emory Jones could be very good. And I think Florida's offense will be much better than people think. I, I don't think it's going to take the step back that, that everyone's expecting. I right expectations are not sky high and it, it fits perfectly in kind of like a um, look ahead resume to what is required to win the Heisman. He can't get shut down um, by yeah. any. He, play, he plays at a big enough school that they don't have to be in the national title mix for him. To right. Win. Like, and like Desmond if Ritter he pulls an upset. Yeah, Desmond Ritter at Cincy, they got to be undefeated for him to, to right. be there. Right. Bryce Young has to run the table, probably. I think Emory Jones pulls one big upset. You have the Johnny football dynamic at mm -hmm. play. Wow, they beat that. Whoa, I can't believe I was, they won I was that, at game. that game. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah. Beat. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, um, I guess posted Nick Saban's coaches show the Thursday night before that game, and Nick Saban accurately predicted every single thing that would happen in that, that Texas A&M game. Like he, he knew they were going to lose. He knew exactly how Manziel was going to beat them. And he basically laid it all out. If you were listening to the radio that night. Well, clearly spaghetti. We're out of our depth here. Nick Saban, Jim Rome, mayonnaise on a spoon. Let's just wrap Jim it up Everett. with this then. Jim, oh, right. Jim Everett. Exactly. Um, give us win play show. I'll just let you know. Kirk Herb Street last week went Texas all white, a win mm -hmm. play show, best uniforms in all of college football. Yep. And I'll ask you not to say Oregon's full set. I'm not, I'm not pick okay, a so, uniform oh, from the set. Okay, I don't want you to just go like whatever they throw out there. Well, cause they have I, a, I'm, then they have an advantage. You say you're going to like one of the things that they have. Um, I'm very one, glad you, you mentioned went, that. He went Texas all white in the win mm -hmm. spot. Yep. He went um, USC in the uh, in, uh, the um, Cardinal and Gold in the uh, play spot, and show was Penn State. I agree with okay. two of those. I'm a traditionalist. All right. So number one, not a chance. The Stormtroopers were the most incompetent force in the history of cinema. You should never dress like a Stormtrooper. So no all white. What are the kids? The kids call them icy whites. Yeah. No. None of that. So, so clean, so clean. That's yeah, what everybody know. says. Win is Michigan home. The the winged helmet is beautiful. Very nice. The yeah, the the maize pants, the the blue jersey. It's 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 just beautiful. Uh, place is USC away. Cardinal helmet, white jersey. I'm a huge shoulder yokes guy. 
great shoulder yokes on the USC jerseys, and then the gold gold pants. Ironic, given your aversion to mayonnaise, because that's yoke heavy. It is very yoke heavy, but I but I either do, way I do like the yokes. All right, so I'm with you. Joe, I don't think we see enough pro or college shoulder yeah. striping. I don't mean around the bicep. I mean up at the shoulder, like the Colts yes, do it probably exactly. best. It it kills me. To, I, I want to do UCLA here. I love UCLA's home uniform, gold helmet, powder blue jersey, gold pants, but I can't do it because there's there's a better one, and it is Georgia's road uniform. Red uh, helmet, white jersey, silver britches. You have to call them britches, not pants, because that's what they call them. And it is it is beautiful. And I, I know there's been talk of doing some sort of like color rush type game with Clemson. I don't know exactly what Georgia's going to wear, but – if, if Georgia is playing a road game, I want to see Georgia red helmet with the G, white jersey, silver britches. It is a beautiful uniform. Staples, you've done it. It's a, That's an exceptional list you just laid out there. You didn't go any newfangled. I do, I you know, call me a homer, but Pitt looks strong when they come out now, and especially oh, in that I'm home I'm so blue. glad they went back to the to the yellow instead of the mustardy yellow instead of the gold. That is a, the, and, the, and the lighter shade of blue. That is such a perfect uniform. And I, I don't know why it ever changed, but they do the throwbacks. And I'd say, because one of the throwback games was one of the ones where they threw the ball to, to Brian O'Neill, the left tackle, and he ran for a touchdown because right. he's the greatest, the greatest athlete in the history of football. Um, and he's, he's in the, the throwback. And I'm just like, I remember tweeting, why isn't this their real uniform anymore? It was a disgrace that they went with that old Notre Dame gold instead of uh, the, the old uh, Eno nice Cook. Gold would not have been thrilled. He would have said, why are we dressed like Notre Dame? <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I don't think Bino had never been. once pronounced Notre Dame correctly. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was too busy predicting Notre Dame Heisman trophies four in a row for uh, whoever their quarterback was. Bino was the best. On um, although you might be the best now after this appearance here. Wrap it up for us. I know you have strong opinions on fruit. 2021. I, again, I started out with a statement saying, I hope this doesn't sound hyperbolic. I think 2021, summertime especially, has been as strong a season for fruit that uh, that Dave Damashek can remember. How say you, Staples? Tremendous year. The The cherries were were in, not in, but they were ripe for longer because cher- cherries are not normally an affordable fruit. I only get them when the, the prices plummet in the summer. And I felt like that window was was really wide open this year. Uh, there were good apricots this year. It was a good peach hmm. year. I just it, it very was, nice it was for the yellow peach. Good. The white peach was the white peach. You know that was it was well, fancy and so and got am, all the hype. But good for peach. the yellow peach. I am a yellow peach fan. I will give you the the fruit of the millennium. The fruit of the millennium is the Chilton County peach. So Georgia calls itself the Peach State, but the peaches that they that they grow in Chilton County, Alabama which is kind of between Birmingham and Montgomery. Clanton is the big city in, in town. Uh, there's a big peach-shaped water tower at a place called Peach Park. That's the best peach on earth and is probably the best fruit in the universe. Now, see, I mentioned the guys who got in on Modest Mouse before they broke big. The Chilton County peach, that's what Staples is throwing at us. One more haymaker before he we gotta, show him the door. Got to get it from the roadside stand, the dudes that don't take Venmo. They still only take cash, and you, you just give them 20 bucks, and you take a whole basket. Well, I th- I think if uh, these last, what was it, Spaghetti? At least 45 minutes. How long did uh, I hold this fella up here? You, I, I, If... This hasn't convinced you to make sure you're subscribed to the to Andy Staples and Friends podcast available wherever you find your podcast and to indulge his great work on the athletic. Um, I don't know what will enjoy college football. Uh, I think we're a little better informed uh, for your visit here. I'm not just I'm not just college football either about a range of subjects. And we thank you for all of your insight. I am honored. Check honored anytime. Andy Staples, everybody. Gangbusters performance from Staples. Gangbusters show as a result. I called my shot at the top. I think it was a home run. How say you, Spaghetti? 
I, I love it. I mean, he's been one of my favorite college uh, people to follow for years. I've been, you know, consuming his stuff for almost a, a decade now. It feels like uh, the one thing that I did love that he brought up and bring it back to our futures draft we had with our extra points staff was I took the Oregon Ducks um, to win the Pac-12 early on. And I, you know, I think a couple other pe- teams, I think you picked UCLA, I think South picked USC, and I was kind of talking trash. I think Oregon's going to win this thing by a mile. They've been the best team the, in the Pac-12 for the last uh, two years. I expect it to continue third year in a row. And like you said, Kayvon Thibodeau, one of the best players in the country. Crystal Ball is building a, a heck of a program there. So I love that. I feel more confident in my Oregon Ducks pick now. And, and who he says is the next team, that next tier to potentially creep into the Final Four. So that was pretty good stuff right there from uh, I, Staples. I, I like that too. And the only thing is you don't want Oregon. I mean, Oregon will take being a national powerhouse. Um, but it's better ultimately for them not to fall into the Clemson boat of yeah, but who are they beating in their conference? So you UCLA beating LSU would set up a very different feeling Pac-12 for the season if uh, if it feels at least like there's another contender within that, within that conference that'll make things juicier for those of us out here on the West Coast. Yeah, but I I will push back a little bit. Say I think that. You know, Arizona State was on their way to becoming a, a, a better program. Obviously, they're dealing with some issues. Washington's always pretty solid. Utah's been very, very solid in years past. And I think we are going to see a rebound from USC and UCLA. Don't forget, like, Keaton Slow is at USC. Like, he's some people's, like, dark horse pick for Heisman. They could have a, a, a good run there. You know, Stanford is a wild card. They were really, really, really good in years past. They haven't got back to that. I think it's possible for the Pac-12 to have three to four other pretty solid teams or Oregon's strength of schedule looks a little bit better. Well, you know who the big winner is? All of us who like college football, because it's here, everybody. We'll start dealing with the losers, you know, on the other side of this podcast. But do tune in to Minus 3. We'll get into what's going on with the pennant races, pro football, and I'm sure we'll indulge some college football as well. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Andy Staples, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>